Thank you. Uh, praise God. Um, Psalms 147, today we read, uh, it says that uh, great is the Lord and mighty in power and his understanding has no limit. And uh, that means, like, I literally thought about God's brain. Like, it's so big, it has no limit. You know, like, we, we look at animals, we look at human beings, and we say, wow, we got amazing brains, and we our brains are so smart, and we're so amazing and stuff. And the animals, you know, we, we say, okay, dolphin's brain is really intense because it can communicate better than the other animals. And, it, you know, and the monkey's brain is super, you know, awesome. But, like, a sloth, who knows, you know? <laughs> But it says God's brain is limitless. It's so vast. It's so big. It, you know, if, you, if I was to say it, it, it would take eternity to figure out God, right? And that would be correct. You know, uh, I had a question this week. Uh, somebody says, what are you going to do in heaven? I'm like, you discover God anew every single moment for eternity, forever. He's that big. He's that vast. And they're like, you know what <laughs> and I said I know what it, it, it doesn't make sense in our reason in our logic and our limited about ability to understand that but that's what you're going to do in heaven that's you're going to be around never ending light and and you're going to be constantly learning constantly growing constantly excited constantly happy constantly with God I don't know it's, it's amazing and uh, what Noah was saying uh, don't worship God because you just need something from him worship God because he deserves it because he's God after all he's God he's he created everything and he deserves our worship he deserves even for things you know oh there's things going wrong in my life we'll worship him for the things that are going right there's thousands of things that are going right you just remember you woke up and and you open your eyes and you could breathe and you could balance yourself when you walk to the bathroom and and the toothpaste didn't explode in your face when you squeezed the tube. I mean, there's thousands of reasons why we're worshiping God today. And and uh, just wanted to start with a prayer. And and uh, let's just bow our heads. God, uh, I thank you so much that you are in control. God, that you are in control of tonight. That, that uh, you are in control of our hearts and our minds. God, we just willfully... God, rest in you. We willfully, God, accept your word today, and we ask you, God, that you would change us today, God, that, that your will would be done in us, God, and that means less of us and more of you. That means we have to make decisions today, God, to, to give up our pride, to give up, God, our pursuit of, uh, of comfort, our pursuit of, of leisure, our pursuit of, of what we want in this world, in this life now, God, because every time we open the word, every time we look into the mirror, we see ourselves, we see what you're calling us to, and we see what, what your word says, God, and we want to be doers of your word, not just hearers, God, and so today, God, we ask you to help us to open up our hearts, God, we willfully make that decision, but without your help, without your without your your mercy and your grace, God, that's even impossible for us to do, God. And so we're asking you, God, to speak tonight to our hearts, to our minds, God. Grab a hold of us tonight, God. Change us tonight, God. We so want to see something change in our life, God, for the better, for your kingdom, for your glory, God, for your purpose, God. And so we ask you, God, to 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 hear today. Your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Today I wanted to uh, 
go over five points, and they're basically, you know, we just went through a camp, overcoming inertia, and we talked about, you know, I've mentioned a couple times, being neutral. Neutral is like death to, to Christians, to be neutral. You know, we heard this uh, uh, political statement, you can express your opinion or you have freedom of speech as long as it doesn't hurt anybody's feelings. And then it's like, what? That's not freedom of speech. That's, that's so neutrality. That's so, you know, uh, coexist. That's so, you know, be partial to everybody. Be, I mean, partial to sin, partial to everything that's going on around you. You know, when, when tragedy hits, you know, you can cry. And, but who really cares as long as it's not close to our neighborhood, right? And now it's in our neighborhood. And now it's like, whoa, it's a whole new level of uh, of. of of uh, closeness, right? It could happen in, in my school. It could happen at my work. It could happen anywhere. Like, what's going on with today's world? And all of a sudden, uh, you realize you can't just be partial and, ex- you know, and, and, and expect things to change and expect uh, good to happen. It's getting worse and worse and worse. And that's exactly what the Bible says, exactly what we read in, uh, in uh, Timothy. I'm going to skip to it. I was going to read that later, but I actually want to read it now. It says that Second uh, Timothy 3, 1 through 5, it says, But mark this, there will be a terrible time, there will be t- terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love unforgiving, slanders, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power, have nothing to do with such people. And um, that's, I'll read that again later, uh, but reading that is kind of freaky you know it, it, it kind of goes whoa man that's what God is saying is going to happen in the end times that's what it's all accumulating to the world is going to get worse and worse and worse humanity is going to get so twisted so 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 full of sin so full of darkness that that it's it, it seems like almost impossible for Christians to survive it seems like it's almost impossible for for somebody to be the light and, and, to, and to, to, to actually survive and in reality, it's possible, but it, it always costs you. To be the light, it's going to cost you. To be the light, it, it, you, you're constantly sticking your, your neck on the line, and, and people are always going to be chopping at you. People are always going to be upset for you expressing your worldview or your opinion on, or your belief of who you are and what this world is all about. But uh, neutrality is a destructive force if you hold true to the Christian worldview. See, if you read your Bible and if you apply what the Word says, you can't be neutral. That's not a possibility. Unless you are going with the, the Christianity that's relevant today where, hey, it's, you know, let's lower the standards, let's let everybody uh, be a Christian because then we'll have more people saved. But that's not how it works. That's not what 
the Bible says salvation is. Salvation isn't just a prayer of saying, hey, I'm going to repeat this prayer or do this formality and I'll be saved. That's, that's exactly what makes God upset and mad. And we just read in, 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 in Timothy that they have a form of godliness. They, they, have a, they, 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 they seem to be Christians. They seem to, to be good people. They seem to do humanitarian aid. They seem to, to, to volunteer. They seem to, you know, good deeds and everything, but they deny the power of God. They deny God. They deny holiness. They deny uh, the, the work of God inside of themselves to really occur. And it may seem convenient in the moment to be neutral, but later we find the price is way more than expected. You guys ever find yourself in a situation like that in this life? There's like, man, I was doing uh, some work for an older couple, and they said, you know what? This life is like booby traps. Although we live our whole lives. Every time we, we request somebody to do some work on our house or on our car, it seems like it, they're out to get you. They're out to, to, to hose you. They're out to, to manipulate. They're getting your money. They're getting your time, everything. And it's like, it's like that in, in, in so many things in this life. Like, for instance... This is a very foolish idea, and uh, I was lucky enough not to not to take part in this in my life because I watched some other people close to me do this, and I was like, "Wow, that was just—you got to be blind." But for example, getting a loan for something you want—a a loan is meaning, oh, in the future I'll definitely make that money and I'll pay you for it. Oh yeah, I can see the future is going to be real good, constant job, work, everything's going to be beautiful. Let's get that Beamer. Let's let's do it. <laughs> right let's sign that contract let's let's uh let's uh i feel like i i feel like i deserve this i feel like i need this right now right that's what it is to be neutral as a christian it's uh you know what i i don't want to confront that atheist i don't want to confront that that critical person in my job in my school in my in my teacher I read a bumper sticker that said, Don't pray in my school and I won't think in your church. Yeah, I was in Bellevue. I was like, wow. And this is old guy driving this brand new BMW speeding down the road. I'm like, whoa, who's that guy? Whoa, crazy bumper sticker. But I, I, what I want to say, Tanya says you should add to it. I said, exactly. I would add, why not? Why not pray in the schools and why not think in the church? Why? Because we have this conception that if we rationally come to the Word of God, that, that it wouldn't work. But actually, if you rationally come to the Word of God, it does work. Christianity works compared to every other religion, compared to every other worldview, including atheism. You have to believe more to be an atheist than, than to, to, to align yourself with God's purpose and plan for your life. It takes more effort. And so if you rationally think about church, rationally think about why you believe... And you, and you stand on firm foundation, you won't ever be shaken. You won't ever be lost. So I just wanted to, just to refresh our minds today of, of what we signed up for as a Christian. What, what is this all about? What are you going to be in the next few years? What are you going to have to go through if you're going to be a Christian? If, if you're really trying to be a Christian, what can you expect why? Because we sign up so fast. Oh yeah, it sounded awesome. That the powerful emotions, and it sounded like you could be rich, and you could be famous, and and cool oh, man, you get saved at the end, and you go to heaven. I mean, this is all good stuff, right? But but 
read the word, read the instruction manual, read what you're signing up for. Read what it takes to be a real Christian. You know, this week we, I'll get to that in a minute, but we talked about self-deception. We talked about so many Christians are self-deceived. So many Christians think that they're tight with God, but they have this own understanding of who God is. And they justify every sin in their life, and they never look to the Word to, to, to get clarity on what they need to change or what they need to do. Number one, devote your life to the kingdom. Right? We all know that verse. Seek after the kingdom first, and everything will be added unto you. The Ten Commandments, the first four commandments, is all about God and God's kingdom. The last six commandments is all about interaction with other human beings on this planet. Don't kill, don't steal, don't, don't, don't commit adultery. First four is love your God. Don't create any idols. Don't, don't uh, keep the Sabbath day holy. Don't use God's name in vain. Respect God. Those who have trusted in God may be careful to devote themselves to doing what is good. Titus 3.8. That's today's Bible reading plan. He was telling Titus to remind the people that those who devoted themselves to God, that, that they have to do what is good. They have to make a devotion to do what is good. They have to set time in their life for God. They have to be in a ministry. They have to do something with their talents, their gifts. They have to donate their money. They have to participate in the kingdom somehow, some way. You have to see your life in there. You have to see yourself invested. In, uh, we, in group, we talked about Cain. And Abel. Remember Cain and Abel? It was a simple life. Only four people on the planet. And, and somehow something went wrong. <laughs> but God came to Cain before he killed Abel. And he gave him a warning. Just like he basically does throughout the whole word to every single human being. He gave him a warning. He says, he says Cain, why are you distraught? Why are you angry? Why are you frustrated? He goes, do good and rule over that with good. Rule over sin with good. Do something good in your life. Do pursue good. Do something good. You know, he, ex- he, he didn't really explain why he accepted Ab- uh, uh, Ab- Abel's sacrifice over Cain's. One, you know, I thought it was, you know, maybe God liked meat more than vegetables, but God doesn't care about meat and vegetables. He, he, <laughs> he, he cared about their deeds. He cared about their heart. He cared about why they committed those sacrifices and and he was telling he was telling Abe not to be jealous he was telling Canaan not to be jealous of Abel because he says rule over that those emotions those emotions are causing you to do and think bad he says rule over them by doing good let's let's read that it's in uh, Genesis uh, 5 uh, 4 5 4 7 sorry says Genesis 4-7 if you do what is right will you not be accepted but if you do not do what is right sin is crouching at your door it desires to have you but you must rule over it will you not be accepted see God is so fair God is so fair you know he, he stopped me in my tracks and he says Andre you have what you have because you put in what you put in and uh, I was listening to the sermon on self-discipline 
and how you can achieve anything, but it, it always sucks in the beginning. <laughs> but as you pursue and as you push yourself in self-discipline, the disciplines that you allow to, 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 to rule over your life, they become pleasant after a while. They become rewarding after a while. They become like Stas over there who's like, let's do 300 push-ups, it's fun. I'm like, what are you talking about? 300 push-ups is not fun. But it is in Stas's mind. And that's how he approaches it. And that's, that's, why, that's why he has the results that he has. Because it's fun for him. You know, uh, uh, as a Christian, it should be fun to pray. As a Christian, it should be fun to read your word. It should be fun to get around brothers. It should be fun to get around sisters and, and crunch those, those, those foundations that we stand upon. Crunch those principles. It should be awesome to go to groups. It should be awesome to, to be a part of, of club. It should be awesome to go to guys for strength and girls for purity. You should want to be there. Number two, get ready to work hard. Life is hard. Hard work all the time, nonstop. You want to have a good marriage? Guess what? It doesn't drop from the sky. It's constant investment, constant, constant communication, constant uh, uh, giving. You'll have a good marriage. You want to have a good job? It's the same thing. Constant giving, constant bending over backwards, constant forgiving your boss, constant, constant taking those crummy jobs that nobody wants. But that's how you're going to make it. That's how you're going to pay the bills. Proverbs 18.9 One who is slack in his work is brother to the destroyer or brother to the devil. The one who is slack in his work. The one who is trying to find an easier job. The one who is always trying to find the easier way to make money. The easiest way to, to, to do nothing at work. And I always seem to see those people a mile away. When, when I, anywhere you go, you can find the people who, who are working hard or the people who are just lazy. Yeah. They're always complaining. They're always talking about the benefits are getting cut and, and everything's crummy at my job and, and there's no promotions and there's no this and there's no that. And, and, and the, ones that are, the ones that are working hard, they can be complaining, but uh, they're always complaining about not having enough work. <laughs> They can say, hey, uh, this job is too easy. I need to find something better. I need to find, there's, there's more advancement for me. I can feel it. They're not saying, hey, this job is just crummy. I can't, but they're complaining that, you know what? I feel like I'm unproductive. I feel like I, I'm just wasting my time at work. <laughs> it's like, yeah, you are. You need to start a business. You need to get rolling, man. You need to start hammering those uh, opportunities. There's more to it. There's, you know, if you're really willing to work hard, there's an unlimited amount of work out there, people. I met, a, I met a, a person who uh, shocked me this week. Uh, I was doing my work, and I was putting together a kitchen countertop. And uh, this, this young guy, oh, 30, sorry, not young. He's actually a month older than me. I just saw him as a young guy on, on the job site. And uh, <laughs> his name is Shannon. And, uh, he, yeah, girl name. And uh, he says, hey, 
I, I just did the kitchens in my own house and I totally screwed them up. Can I watch you? I really want to know how this, is, how this thing works. And, and he's asking me all these questions about my, my job and stuff. And he asked me about my van. He says, why do you need such a big van? And I said, I go on missions trips. And he's like, missions trips? Wow, that's really awesome. He goes, I knew you were a Christian. I knew it. You had that. You had that. <laughs> I'm like, okay, cool. And uh, he starts, he starts kind of asking me like, you know, uh, initially, I asked him a few questions because everybody's a Christian, and I asked him, hey, why are you a Christian, and what are, kind of a Christian are you? And, and, uh, and he says, well, I'm sick and tired of my Christianity. I go to church. I'm faithful. I have, I have two kids. I usher at the church. I, I check in, check out, but my life is wasted. I watch TV. I do this and this and this, and I'm like, Exactly, bro. You're wasting your life, man. You you need a step two. You need to get onto it. I was like, and he's like, what do I do? What do I do? What do I do? And I'm like, man, this is awesome. Like, I meet a guy at work, and he is asking me what to do to step it up. And I'm like, good. You need to start praying this prayer. Ready? Write this down in your phone. He's like, okay. He goes, God, do whatever you want with my life, but help me fulfill your purpose and your plan. Take anything, break anything, crush me, stretch me, pull me, but get me to wake up. That's the prayer that, 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 that started everything. That's our prayer. That's, that's who we are. We are not going to be self-deceived. We're not going to find the easy way in life. We're going to pray that prayer straight up. Say, God, here I am. Do whatever you want. But, but help me feel fulfilled. Help me fulfill my purpose. I know you designed me. I know you put me together. You knit me together. You helped me breathe my first breath. You helped me live to this point. You gave me all these talents, all these gifts. You put me in the last days. What for? Why? Show me. find out that he has his own business. He's a finished carpenter. He makes $100,000 a year. And he stops his work to watch me do my work. And it makes sense. A person who likes their job is always looking for advancement, always looking to take more responsibility, more work. What else can I learn? What else can I do? What else? That hard work ethic. And that's what he... He, he was like, man, I, I feel like I'm wasting my life. I feel like there's more to this Christianity. I feel like there's more. What else can I do? That's getting ready to work hard. It's the right attitude. Number three, don't quit if you don't have all the answers to all your questions. A lot of people go neutral because they can't answer the big question. They can't answer the question that the atheist pitched at them. They can't answer the question that the the professor went into biology and it was way more advanced than he's ever been into biology and all of a sudden this, this, you know, micro evolution this challenges his faith and instead of looking for answers instead of doing your research instead of typing in to Google on a Christian point of view is micro evolution possible is micro evolution possible at all looking at all the evidence looking at everything doing your research going above and beyond what your class requires to figure it out for yourself and in your heart and in your mind is God really there or is this just a, is this, what's happening to my faith most Christians become lazy and go, I knew it, and go watch TV and fade out. Eh. Ah, my faith is just shot. 
Well, get up. Study the word. Ask God, where is he? Prove himself. Ask him, what's going on with my life? How do I answer this question? I bet you every single question that you had challenged in your life before, there's an answer to it. If God's out there, there's an answer to it. And maybe you won't find it right away. Maybe you won't find it in that instant or that moment. But if you trust God, just because you found one mistake that doesn't make sense, you can't throw away the whole truth and go, oh, well, it's just a fraud. It's just, oh, man, I knew it. No, <laughs> I bet you there's an explanation. This, uh, this week in school club, I think they were, or last week we were talking about in the court of law, if two or three people that are witnesses to the crime or to the event have exactly the same testimony, it's called coercion, coercion, where basically the three people talked to each other before they went and testified, and they said, "Okay, make sure there's six shots. Make sure there's two witness, there's there's two blood spots. Make sure there's you know it was a green car." And then, "Okay, okay, got it. Okay, got it." And then when they testify in court, if their testimony comes to be exact, it's dismissed right away as as they're fake witnesses. We cannot trust them. This is why you have four different gospels. And you're like, what's going on? And they're saying, because of that, that's a truthful witness. The gospel, uh, the resurrection, is based only on the witness of, of, of Mary, which is a woman. And a woman back in the day was like, can't be trusted. You have to only listen to a man. And yet the gospels, they stuck with that story. They stuck with Two, two women came to the tomb and saw the resurrection and witnessed that whole scene, right? And then later, uh, the studying apologetics, wrapping your mind around the word, not just lazily leading through it, 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 it wakes you up. It really wakes you up. It really causes you to think rational thoughts of, of what our God is and what he's done for us. Lots of people, instead of doing their research, they, they become slack, they become neutral, and they become self-deceived. They start justifying their sins. They start justifying why they do. Well, maybe it's okay to start a little bit of this. Maybe it's okay to take part in that. Maybe it's okay that this sin keeps rising in my life. Maybe it's okay that, that maybe it's just how Christianity works. No. It's not okay. Sin's not okay. Holiness is, the, is what we're striving for. Holiness is achievable. It is possible. First Corinthians 3.18 says, do, we talked about this in group, it says, do not deceive yourself. For if you think you are wise by the standards of this age or this world, that's when you've fallen. When you think you got an education, when you think you finally understand, or you, oh, you know so much about biology, or you know so much about astronomy, or you know so much about this and this, you just know what the professor told you to believe. That's it. You don't know nothing. Everything in this world hinges on this truth. I am the truth, the way, and the life. Jesus Christ said, I am God. That's a bold statement. That's a crazy statement. Everybody wanted to kill him for that statement. But 2,000 years later, he has the, the one thing that's going to last forever. And that's his kingdom. That's being built every single moment right now. Because God came and he started something. 
And he showed a way, and he showed a path, and he showed, this is the way. Self-denial is the way. A lot of uh, Christians are bummed out because they don't get what they want. And they go neutral. But it says this. In John 3, 27 through 30. This is where uh, John the Baptist is asked by his disciples. Saying, hey, Jesus is doing great things over there. You are doing great things over there. What's going on? Are you the, 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 the guy or he's the guy? Who do we follow? And he says, I am to diminish, I am to be less, and he is to be more. And he says these words. He says, a person can only receive only what is given them from heaven, from God. And he says, for that moment, yes, you were my disciples. You were supposed to follow me. You were supposed to listen to what I was telling you. But now a greater has come, and you follow him. He's, oh man, this is God Almighty. Follow him. But he, he, he has this wisdom and understanding that he wasn't supposed to build his kingdom as a servant of God you're not supposed to build your kingdom you're, you're, you're supposed to yield to what he wants and, and, and trust me he'll build your kingdom trust me he'll take care of you he loves you I, I uh, shocked what Ezekiel is having to do today <laughs> building God's kingdom uh, it was very we did a lot of thinking today with, uh, with Tanya like wait a minute is he tied up for those days? Wait, how did he make his food then? Had to go to the bathroom? Was he outside laying down? Was he inside? What, how does this all work? I mean, after getting a, you know, a command that, hey, I want you to do this and this and this, and then people can understand what's coming to them. They're going to see this in a few years happen to them if they don't repent. And all he says is, God, can I cook my food on animal poop instead of my own? That's his only concern. This guy had clarity on what he believes and why he believes it. And the last point is is suffering. Suffering. Ah, sorry. No, that's not the last point. We'll get, uh, but I'll put it out now. This will be point four. Suffering. If you're a Christian, don't be afraid to suffer. You know that uh, every single person who was a prophet, every single person who, who stepped up to the calling that God had for them had to suffer. He had to confront darkness. He had to say, that's not who I am. That's not what I'm living for. And as soon as you say that, they're going to test you. As soon as you say that, the world is going to test you. The world, the devil is going to come and he's going to slice throwing curveballs at you. And most likely it will be from the closest people around you. Most likely, it's going to hurt the most when, when you least expect it. When you think, man, I'm so, I'm so good in my faith. And then all of a sudden, <laughs> something comes and tests you. And, and sometimes it doesn't even make sense why you're suffering. But it says suffering gives you patience and endurance. And it does something in you. It changes your character. It's that pressure that really is going to change your heart. Is if you, can, if you can withstand this for God, God will trust you. If you can trust Him in the dark times, God will bring you up. He will trust you. He'll put something on you that you can carry heavier. You can do more. Running with the right crowd. 
uh, or the wrong crowd. You know, you can see just in our youth the different parties, the different groups, the different, you know, uh, uh, attitudes where this group is all going crazy. They want to go evangelizing and they go downtown and they do some crazy stuff, right? And this group wants to go to a movie and, and hang out and, and, and eat junk food. And you get to choose which party you run with. You get to choose which side you're on. But don't mess up. Don't, don't choose the wrong side. Because who you associate with is who you become. And it's hard to be a Christian. It's easy to be lukewarm. It says this. In Titus 3.10. It says, Warn a divisive person once. And then warn them a second time. After that, have nothing to do with them. It means this. If your pastor, your youth pastor, tells you, hey, stop doing this and this one time, and you don't get it, and he tells you again the same rebuke, I want you to show up on time. And then he, he, you feel this coldness between you and him, that's deserved. That's probably what you deserve. Because the youth pastor is saying, you know what? I'm looking for somebody to run with me. I'm looking for, I'm looking for a teammate, not wait. And I know he, the pastor has more things than, than that, but, I'm, but, but this is very clear. This is saying, you know what? If, if you are asking somebody, hey, what's wrong with my life? What can I fix? And, and then you just don't care about what he says or you don't pay attention to that. It's going to, after many rebukes it creates a, a, a distance it creates a are, are you really trying to pursue Christianity or are you just coming to hang out do you understand and, and you can come hang out but, but with the group that's going to go evangelize you're not going to make it with the group that's going on the next mission trip you're not going to make it you're not going to make the cuts you're not going to make the, the, the uh, adjustments in your life to run Proverbs 18.24 One who has unreliable friends soon comes to ruin. But there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. And that's the person who's going to tell you the truth. Man, uh, in today's, you know, hold your mouth, don't, don't say what you think, uh, be neutral, be friendly, be happy, you know. It's, it's like pushed everywhere, in, in TV, in, in, in movies, in the schools, in, in, in the restaurant, in, in, in everything, in America. Customer service is key, you know, and we're so used to that. And, and, but when it comes to God's word, there's no customer service. There's straight up, and you slice you in half, but get the junk out of you service. And... That's why we love it. That's why we're doing this thing. It's a friend who sticks closer than a brother. I, uh, I tell you, on your wedding day, you're going to see who your friends are. There'll be friends who will do so much for you, and uh, they, they don't even want to thank you. And they're just willing to, to push and push and push. And just like, man, God, how? I don't even deserve these kind of people. I... I, I 
man, these uh, I6A youth is amazing, amazing people who are willing to sacrifice, who are willing to spend money on expensive suits and, 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 and spend hours in rehearsal and move chairs and decorate and, and clean up and, and, and just exhaust themselves just for me and, 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 and my bride. That was so amazing. That, that was so beyond anything we expected. And thank you, guys. Thank you. Today, my, uh, my horizon is just lifted again, reading Ezekiel, and I'm going to r- wrap it up here. It says, God uh, did something in him, just like in Isaiah, to, to make him able to withstand all the people around him that are rebelling, all the darkness around him, all the people that are calling themselves Israel, that are calling themselves uh, Jerusalem, but are blatantly promoting pride, blatantly promoting sin and, 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 and chaos. It says, but the people of Israel are not willing to listen to you because they are not willing to listen to me. For all the Israelites are hardened and abstinent. But I will make you as unyielding, as hardened as they are. I will make your forehead like a hardest stone, harder than flint. Do not be afraid of them or terrified by them, though they are rebellious people. That's what God's going to start doing in, in our generation. That's what God is planning to do with you. He wants your faith to be unshakable, unmovable. He wants you to never back down from a fight. That's how he's going to grow his kingdom. I, I believe that God has a, 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 an amazing anointing, right? It says in the last day he's going to pour out an anointing on, on, on the faithful, on those who persevere. And, and uh, there's this one verse that... That doesn't translate from the Russian Bible to the English Bible. So I'm having such a hard time with it today. And that's, and that's John, uh, Matthew, I think, uh, Matthew 3.12. And it was uh, that in Russian it says that, uh, uh, no, no, hold on. Maybe I have the, I didn't write it down because I didn't want to use it. But it says that after John the Baptist that the kingdom will be taken by force. It'll be taken by hard work. And those who work it will have it. And uh, it's, it's part of a character school. And uh, our youth pastor's preaching on discipline, self-discipline, how important it is in our life, how important it is to, to cultivate that in us, how important it is to read your Bible plan every day, how important it is to, to pray every day, to, to seek that prayer class. A pastor was talking about it. And you're saying, hey, you know what? How come my, my Christianity is fading? How come I'm, I'm so fizzly? How come I'm so weak? How come I can't uh, uh, stand, stand tall for my faith? And it all comes down to, are you working your core? Are you working your faith? Are you working the Bible? Are you working in your prayer closet? You can ask God real questions and He can answer you. He's real. He's out there. This time, this, this period in your youth, you have to strengthen yourself to, to use it to build you up for the rest of your life. And if you become neutral, if you become uh, complacent, if you become comfortable in what you want and where you're going, you're going to miss your purpose in life. You're going to miss your calling. You'll have everything you want, but you'll be unfulfilled. And you'll be scratching your head going, oh, what, did I, what went wrong? How did my life go, back, go by like this? Where did I miss it? What was it supposed to be? And uh, 
all throughout uh, the word in Timothy and in says, you know, check yourselves on sound doctrines. Check yourselves. See how you align to sound truth. Where are you in the harvest? Are you praying, God, where am I in the harvest? I was talking to this uh, Shannon guy, and I said, Shannon, if you're a Christian, guess what? Commissioned to go to the harvest. Number one thing, number one objective that God has for you is you're going to have to go into the harvest. Today we read that, that God is sending uh, Ezekiel. He's sending them to his own people who understand his tongue. But if he was to send them to people that didn't understand his tongue, they would accept the truth like that. That's what God says. That's why the harvest field is so important. They need to see a foreigner come in and say, God is alive where we live too. And he does this and he does this and he does this and he's like this. And they're like, whoa, man, God, God is real. I mean, we got to shape up over here in Mexico, right? <laughs> and we got to shape up over here in Russia and Africa and wherever God sends us, right? And that's what he's saying in Ezekiel. I would say Ezekiel's commission is much harder than what we have to go through right now and where we are, you know? <laughs> I would say he's at a different level in trusting God and in following God. But that's my goal. That's, that's the prophet man that's what a prophet is and that's that's something that we could ask for and pray for that's the goal that's where we should be heading that's where our mind should be not the seahawks who keep losing and losing and losing (laughs) it's scary to think how many people i've seen in the last five years leave the youth come in for a while and they leave and they're discouraged and they don't want to talk about things they don't they're not open with their life they've never learned to to be open and get help and and talk things through and go man what's wrong with me what do i need to change what do i need to what do i need to do what how do i how do i get god's attention how do i how do i how do i break correctly how do i mold myself to to his image that's the questions we need to constantly be asking that's the question. That means you're not neutral. That means you're not okay. You're not, you're not settling with where you are right now. And that's what keeps you alive. That's where you got to be. That's the attitude. Just want to pray. Um, and I want to pray. I want to give you guys opportunity to, to check your hearts. You know, uh, make sure tonight you go home uh, with, uh, with the right attitude the right spirit, God's spirit, of, you know what, I'm, I'm ready to fight, I'm ready to push myself, I'm ready to go uh, the distance, I'm ready, to, I, I, I see it clearly what a Christian is, I see clearly what, what's expected of me, and man, I regret those, those past areas where I, I gave up my faith, I gave up standing for the truth, I, I let this person knock me down, I let this person take my faith, but not tomorrow. Tomorrow I'm waking up and I'm strengthening in God's word. Tomorrow I'm waking up and I'm, I'm saying, God, where are you? I need you in my life. I need you for reals. I, I need to know you. I need to, to see that you're working in my life. I need, I need things answered. I need things to be clear. And if that's you, come. Come to God. Break before God. Say, God, you know what? I'm starting to see that I'm holding on to things that are not of you. I'm holding on to dreams and goals that, that don't align to your purpose and call for me. Things that I want, things that make me feel comfortable, things that I, that I think are, are cool and awesome, things that my friends promoted, things that TV promoted, for, things that my professor promoted, but not what your wisdom promoted, not what your 
your word says. And I'm, I'm battling inside. You're, you're battling. You're constantly battling because it's, it's, it seems like such a great risk to give that up. It seems like such a great risk to put that down. It seems like such a great risk to trust God. But there's no reward without risk. There's no satisfaction without a price. And you know that. So give it up. Trust God. Make that step today. Make that shift. Say, you know what? I'm aligning to the Word. I'm trusting the Word. I'm trusting this one book that survived 2,000 years. has 5,000 manuscripts in, 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 in Hebrew and another uh, 800 in, in, in Latin or, or Greek. And, and, uh, and uh, that has been... So many people laid down their life over and over and over and over and over. Not just for some religion to survive, but for the truth to survive. So that it can come to your eyeballs, that it can come to your heart, and that you could receive it, and that you could come alive. And you could start running your race. And you could fulfill your purpose and your call in your life. So you're not like a, a zombified goon in, in rebellion and, and, and wasting your life. Thinking you're, you got it made. Thinking you figured it out because you, 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 could, you could logically justify your sins.